you are listening to a production of the Toe Network, home of biting analysis. This is Laser Knees number 72, and here comes a good cool boy. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Thief Sentai Lupin Ranger versus Police Sentai Pot Ranger, episode 25, I'll Make You Stronger Than Ever, and 26, Underground Auction. Our episode writers were Komura Junko for 25 and Yamatoya Akatsuki for 26. Our directors were Nakazawa Shoujiro for 25 and Kato Hiroyuki for 26. Now, Yamatoya Akatsuki isn't a name we've ever brought up on Laser Knees because he hasn't written on the previous two shows we've covered. Good reason. But he is a writer that you and I especially uh, are probably familiar with, even if not by name, uh, because he's written on pretty much all of our favorites. Uh, he's specifically written on Maji Ranger, Bokenger, Shinkenger, Gosager, and Tokyuji. Wow, you weren't kidding. He was the writer behind Boken Red Good Luck Form, that Tokyuji oh DVD special in which Ticket took over Akira's arm so he could fight his longtime rival and became Tiny Puppet Tokyu 6. Oh no. He's also behind some other well-loved comedic episodes, such as the uh, Bathhouse episode and episode where Kagura was a filmmaker in Tokyuji. Oh, okay. Alright. He did Shinkenger's Curry episode. Uh, oh. But he's also among the shows he's written for, those five. Uh, he has written some very moving arcs. Uh, so he does have quite a bit of range, but it seems like he he's generally employed for, like, the really funny episodes. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of stuff, like, near the end of series where stuff is dramatic and intense. Also, okay, Sono, I... I see that he did the Shinken Brown episode of Shinkenger. He sure did. Yeah. Um, look, I know he's done a lot of other things that you've just mentioned that are all amazing, but if he had only done Shinken Brown, he would be untouchable for me. He's done these other ones. Like, wow. Because look, not for nothing, I'd always kind of thought that both Shinken Brown and the Curry episode, as as well as like the, the Kagura, the filmmaker episode in Tokyuture, like I always thought those were just Kobayashi letting off some steam because they they do have a lot of the same from the heartness and sort of like slightly sideways takes on things that i tend to associate with her so wow uh but this guy like actually knowing that it was someone else is is a, a surprise but seeing how many of them were this guy is like this dude is friggin royalty I'm tempted to give him a lifetime pass but it does not seem like he'd need it and also look uh there's a lot of time to mess up but wow <laughs> yeah no i mean like i'm kind of in the same boat with with the bokenger uh, good luck form episode cuz seeing that lineup of comedy episodes like those are the yeah. best ones in sentai he's done all of the best joke episodes it's yeah and and like all the ones that other people have tried to do again and failed miserably <laughs> Because he's so he's so good. Yeah, no, and I think with episode 26 and with Grist being as silly as he is and Umika, like, reacting to how much money is being thrown around the way that she is, it leans a lot more towards uh, his comedic kind of senses of episodes. But there's also very much an undertone of his more heartfelt arcs with the way, you know, Noelle and Umika kind of come together and work on this and are like, yeah, we gotta, yeah. We gotta sit down and we gotta find the guy. Yeah, it is a like it. It did feel a little different. I was wondering if it was a guest writer, but it 
it also felt completely like those characters. Like, it, it felt exactly what I would want a team-up between them to be. It was so good. And, like, also, this is one of those things where I'm gonna say, like, everything, except that they should give him a series to run, because, look, I've seen, we've, we've all seen people who can write great episodes crash and burn just so hard when running a series. Komura Junko. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't, I don't want him to be Smirch's good name, but on the other hand, like, anytime, like, if they want to give him a shot, I'll try it. I'm just going to be a little afraid. But also, maybe I don't give need him to be. a very Goanger esque series to write. Something that, like, something very Goanger or Car Ranger, where it doesn't need to take itself super seriously. Yeah, because he's really good at comedy. In, in just a lot, from a lot of angles, like, going to the, the Curry episode of Shinkenger, that's a comedy episode. That is also, like, a deep and heartfelt examination of what art means to you as a person. That The, the Curry episode is one of the most painful and beautiful episodes I have ever seen. Because, hey, it turns out this dude is a genius at making curry, but he doesn't want to be a curry maker. He wants to be a sushi chef. He wants to be a great maker of sushi. Not a great maker of curry. He just makes curry as, like, a side thing because he doesn't care. He just, he makes it for, um, Kotoha sometimes. Just because she likes it. Yeah, he likes doing it, and it turns out he's great at it, but it's not his passion. He doesn't love making curry. He just, you know, he'll do that for his friend to make them happy. What he loves doing is he loves making sushi, but he's not good at it. <laughs> he's not bad, he's just not good. Which, like, I thought that was that was genius. That is that is a beautiful episode. And I mean again, a lot of a lot of his like bonkers comedy episodes are that way. I mean, like the the good luck episode has a lot of it speaks a lot about, you know, you don't it's it's not luck isn't really a thing mm. and i mean even the the bathhouse episode in tokyo uh i remember when that happened me and someone else on twitter who you know we loved akira because he's the best and we were we were just talking so much about like why he loves bathhouses so much and why like why is he so obsessed with bathhouses he doesn't clearly he said like, he's acting like there isn't one on his train, and we're like, does he just not have anywhere to bathe? And we're like, he has a... he must have a shower. Because I think they mentioned that there were showers on just the Rainbow Line train, and he's like, ew. And then we, I mean, we were thinking about think it. Is... Well, we were thinking about it, and showers are like rain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and And also, everyone can be wet around him, but everyone's happy about it, instead of what his monster superpower was, which is to just put a cold drizzle on someone's day. Yeah, and like it's, like there was so much interesting symbolism going on. Yeah, there's a lot of good bits of thinking stuff through in this dude. And and like I was gonna say, if nothing else, I will I will say that Kimura Junko knows how to put a team together for a, like a heist of my heart, and like. She she is also doing a lot of good learning from her head writing senpai and just because she, she's bringing in all the greats like she's already had in uh, Naruhisa Arakawa just just to write some episodes you know one of the defining 
tokusatsu writers of I'm going to say the the aughts. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, two thousand to two thousand. Like I don't know when the last one he was. I feel like the last one he head wrote. No, wasn't he the head writer on on Gokaiger? I believe so. I yeah, believe he so was. Two thousand to two thousand ten. The man is untouchable. You cannot step to him. I mean, maybe you could, but I would not advise trying. And now she gets in Yamatoya Akatsuki, and he is he is royalty. The only thing she's missing at this point is a guest episode from Showaikawa, because at that point she will have both a solid show, which this is. Do not get it twisted. But she will have a solid show that also features, like, a who's who of the great episode writers of Super Sentai. Yeah, and I mean... It's not impossible because they Toei does have him for uh, ten years Grand Prix right now. Yeah, good. Or good. well, they had him for ten years Grand Prix. That's long since written and probably Look, out. If nothing soon. else, the the dude could probably use a paycheck. Like that, and it's not impossible to get him. Yeah, I just like I'm I'm really just blown away at the at the skill and the people they're bringing in for this show. I, I know I know. It's probably gauche to just only praise the big names, but wow, it's nice to see some of them. Especially since, like, the the, the newcomer has been more missed than hit. Yeah. I, I feel bad saying that, but... I feel bad, but, like... I'm not wrong. They've written, like, four episodes, two of which were good and two of which were real bad. Real, real bad. Like, far worse than their good episodes were good. Yeah, and really just did not help the Sakia situation. No, it's that we have that I just don't like that guy. That I'm just constantly suffering through. Yeah, but okay, so that's I'm just I'm sorry. I'm just going to be over here in like quiet, stunned silence. But uh, let's get into our our overall thoughts about these episodes because otherwise we're just going to talk about Yamatoya Akatsuki because I I need to commit the name to memory because again royalty. But uh, talk. What what sort of things came to mind for you this week, Sono? Okay, indulge me for a couple minutes, because I want to talk about a single piece of really brilliant set design as the Ouch. framework for a major theme of episode 25. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt you so soon. Sono, are we about to talk about Kyrie's room? We are very much about to talk about Kyrie's room. I took, sorry, like, after after the talk we had about Sakiya's room, I, I turned, like, I saw that, I turned to my partner, I paused the episode. It's just like, Sono is going to want to talk about this room, and I'm so mad because I also want to. But Sono, you got here first, and you've got chops here. Um, so I, I've, I love set design. I, I get so excited over good set design. And this caught me so off guard, because I didn't <clears throat> expect his room to be like this. Because Kyrie is very laid back and relaxed, and... You know, he's running off from work all the time, and, you know, sassing the cops and all that. And I expected him to have a space that looked very lived in. You know, some of his clothes on the floor, his bed's not made, maybe a rug with one of the corners turned up, some posters or something on the wall, but there's nothing. There's nothing. The only things that exist in this room are a bed, a dresser that seems to only really serve as a place to put a lamp and a photo. And that photo is of Kyrie as a young child with his older brother. And it caught me really off guard, but his room being as it is, is such an interesting reflection on Kyrie's mental state. 
Because as much as he puts up this cool guy front where he can kind of slack off and be silly and sassy and kind of this quintessential teenage version of Lupin the Third. Yeah. And that's that's the front he puts up down in the restaurant that's very colorful and there's stuff everywhere. The reality of it, inside in his private space, in his head, he's so deeply focused on his goal, which is getting back his brother that sometimes he just can't see anything else. There isn't anything else to him. He's pushed everything else out of his life in order to reach for that goal. And the fact that the photo is on this dresser next to the lamp, completely across the room from the bed instead of on a nightstand next to the bed, and there's not a nightstand next to the bed, there's nothing. It just shows how far off that goal still feels to Kairi. And the only light in this otherwise dark room is right next to this photo that is Kyrie's brother. And that getting his brother back is the only thing he can see in this darkness that he's living in. And the bed is a safe place. The bed is a micro version of home. Kyrie's brother is nowhere near home. And Kyrie can't put even one single thing in the space between his brother and home. As much as he cares about Toma and Umika, they all agreed we can't put each other ahead of the goal. If one of us dies, one of us dies. You get who we're looking for back. And he can't choose them over his brother, or at least, you know, not at this stage of the story. And the first time we see this room is the first time Noelle sees this room. We find out that it's Kyrie's room in the same instant that Noelle finds out. And the first time we see this reflection of Kyrie, Noelle doesn't really know where he is, he doesn't really know what's going on. The only thing that lets him know is this one piece of Kyrie that exists in this space. And the framework that this room sets up about really who Kyrie is and how he sees his situation makes the following exchange between Noel and Kyrie when Kyrie does come into the room even more interesting because Noel is kind of teasing Kyrie and says, "Oh, well, I guess you don't trust me." And Kyrie just responds totally straight that, "Yeah, well, it doesn't seem like you trust me either. So let's all just keep using each other as tools so we can get all your collection pieces back." And Noelle is visibly surprised by that response. He He's actually like, wait, what? Which, like, oh, it's so beautifully cynical. And especially after you see it in that room, yeah, of course he's going to say that, right? Yeah. And Noelle, he's confused by this because he was probably expecting Kyrie to say something kind of sarcastic to him because this is how he's learned to relate to Kyrie. But he, Noelle has been working really hard to build trust between both teams because he wants to trust all of them and be trusted by them. And, you know, we find out over the course of the episode that Noel has his own reasons for doing what he's doing beyond just the collection is his job. And he's willing to risk his life for his goal just as much as the rest of the Lupin Rangers. And once he makes that clear, not by saying it, but by doing it, Kyrie is willing to extend that trust to him. And because... Kyrie is willing to extend that trust to him and then goes out to, you know, s support Noel and try and get 
the collection as a response to trusting Noelle, even if she doesn't know this is the reason, Sukasa then sees Lupin Red, and because of what she had seen in him in the last one, where it's not it's not that he won't stop, it's that he can't stop, meaning he must have a goal, Sukasa is then willing to extend her own trust. And because of that, Goody is willing to combine into an even stronger robot that's util- utilizing the power of both teams at the same time. And Sentai as a whole, as a franchise, I've watched a lot of Sentai, so I feel like I can say this with a lot of confidence, is in, Sentai is an exercise in trust and found family. And Lupin Ranger versus Pot Ranger leans into that a lot more heavily than most of them. Um, usually it's kind of this underlying theme, but it's very heavily in the forefront because of this team divide. And now that Noel has joined, he's reached out to both teams, and we're starting to see that divide close more and more. And even though it's very on the surface and therefore could end up being really forced, it actually feels like a really natural progression. Yeah, it really does, and... If, if I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of mad at how easy it's all flowing together. Because, like, I, I know we've talked a little before about, like, I I don't remember if it was on while recording or before, but, like, I, I've talked at length about the kinds of things where, as a person who tries to do creative things in my free time, like, sometimes I look at a thing and it's kind of in the same wheelhouse as the sort of things I want to do, and it seems like the kind of thing I'd want to do, but I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I couldn't actually pull it off, or I would need to do this and this and this to pull it off, and then you see someone do exactly that thing, and do it with what doesn't feel like a particularly strong sense of craft, because look, I enjoy this series, It's it's been a bumpy one, here and there, it's overall good, it's had it's, had its moments, so like, like, this is all just a long way of saying, like, I want to go back and watch all or nearly all of the episodes again because I, I I have a lot to learn and a lot I think we can all learn from Kimura Junko and how she's paced this thing and how she's done the character work and the reveals because I, I want to learn how to juggle a cast that has this many conflicting motivations because at, at the moment there's three that I can see. There's the Global Police, there's the Gangler, there's the Lupins, and then drops in a fourth party with their own completely, well, not completely, but a nominally intersecting agenda, but one that is still an agenda all its own, and it just works. It's it's all there, and it works, and you can see all the ways it could go wrong, but it doesn't. Because, like, I, I don't know how many of, of our listeners, I don't know how many of you, dear listener, um, have taken a swing at it at writing extended works where multiple parties conflict in thematically appropriate ways while you juggle everyone's side stories but i have attempted that and i've not done as well as i'd like but after after at least giving it a shot and going back and giving it other shots and so on and so on I kind of resent the ease with which Kamurachonko has been making it work. And then, again, dropping in this extra thing, which could or really should disrupt that ease, should feel like the show's being derailed, should feel like the third arm, like a third arm made of paper mache being like sloppily pasted onto a perfectly good statue. But it, like, no matter how it should feel, it doesn't. Like, I feel bad because honestly, all I've got this week is 
is kind of just a little just arg the craft sort of discussion but that's that's what's been jumping out at me the most because again like having having this this sort of like apotheosis of noel and kind of the extra ranger generally just happen perfectly in front of us and then it's just followed up by uh, an episode that is much smaller in scale but is also just a superb qual- character piece from a sentai great i mean i feel like we could just spend a lot of time dissecting what makes all of these things on on an atomistic or holistic scale just plain work on this show but i don't think i could do it without just descending to and then there was this part that was great and then there was this part that was not so great but then it was followed by this other part that was extra great because i think that's what would happen after a certain point because there's look there's a lot of stuff you can get from a really close reading of a thing and i think that is valuable it's just not a skill set i have uh, I'm really more of a, you know, let's step back and see the forest, but in seeing the forest, sometimes you miss the trees, because that's just... It's hard to look at something both holistically and atomistically at the same time. Anyway, just uh, e- even as I rhapsodize about the level of craft in the show, and I it, it just makes me wish I knew more about cinematography, because I feel like proper fight cinema nerds would lose their sugar over just some of the kinds of stuff the cameras are doing this year or just maybe be like me and just be like the cameras are doing things this year not for nothing but that was Anju Ojer uh, a series that we were not particularly kind to with the same head writer as this one like every time every now and again the cameras would do some stuff and we would just be like ooh that's nice but anyway I just even when they're I just I wish I knew more about every part of these series so that I could have a similar feeling of, of Rhapsody because once you once you like study and try to make writing work it really helps to appreciate all the mad stuff that's going on here and how wrong I was in those episodes earlier in in our Laser Knees coverage of Lupin Ranger versus Pat Ranger where I was just like I don't see how it could work You'd have to do it like this, and it would suck if you. And it would suck. And I was wrong. I was yeah, so, no, so wrong. we were we were very afraid of what Noel was gonna be. We've both seen a lot of bad sex, of bad extra heroes. Yeah, no, but we've we got the best of all possible like ways he could have been. Yeah, and it's it's really nice. But anyway, um, lest we just dissolve into all the nice things. Uh, we're we're going to talk real quick about some of the stuff that wasn't so nice so that we can then get back into talking about some more fun stuff from these episodes. So, uh, Sono, why don't you start us off with some stuff that was not so well realized? Okay, so uh, Zamigo showed up in 25. I think that's, that's the proper way to describe it. He showed up. And I'm still bored with him, but I think it's interesting that he says, he's like, oh, Lyman, you're like, you're just mad because you know your collection piece won't work on me. And Lyman's collection piece heals him. So I wish the episode had gone more into what it means that it's useless against Zamigo when it's something that heals Lyman. 
Like, I'm assuming maybe Zamigo can just freeze whatever part Lyman's trying to heal, and thus it doesn't work, but it they never really go into it. It doesn't come up at all in their fight. We don't- what his collection piece does isn't even revealed there. It's not revealed for another, like, five minutes. And by that point, this fight is long forgotten. This scene has nothing to do with anything, so why is it even happening? Yeah, I mean, like, first, I had the same assumption. Like, ah, yeah, he freezes, and then he just breaks off a part of you, and how is it going to regenerate now? Haha. But, I don't know, like, I I guess we're trying to ensure that everyone is still kind of like, ooh, ah, so scary, so mysterious about Zamigo, but... I mean, I'm not going to say the ship has sailed, but it's it's at least floating a little way out from port, because the anchor is not down like it should be. It's, uh, it's not good. I feel so sad because I love Zamigo. I want to love Zamigo. Zamigo's such a great design. He seems like he could be really interesting, but he doesn't do anything. Yeah, which villains need to do stuff. I mean, at least, at least Dograño will like every now and again. You can get him onto human world, and he will wreck everything. And you're like, oh, I see why I'm afraid of him. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Go on. Okay, well, that, that's really all. That's the only thing I really had a problem with in 25. Yeah, 25 was rock solid. Yeah, it was. In 26, as much as I, like, adore the bit of, hey, here's some masks because this auction is anonymous and super illegal. Nah, man, it's cool, we brought our own masks. Because that's actually a really funny bit of silent comedy. Like, there's some really good beats in that scene. It's very well put together. And also, it's nice to see that Noel even has a Lupin mask, because he's definitely never used it. I, I do have to say, though, I love the look of it. That is a good-looking Phantom Thief mask. Oh, it is. I'm not even good arguing that. Stuff. Yeah. No, I know. I Look, I know you aren't arguing it, because that would be silly. That would be incorrect. The problem is that they are using the Phantom Thief masks which isn't so much a problem in Noel's case, because again, he's never used it before, but that's like Umika's everyday thieving mask, which might be a little bit recognizable, so maybe it's not the best idea to use it. Yeah. Like, the Lupins aren't subtle criminals. They walk in and say, we're the criminals everyone's talking about. So I feel like people, like, buying illegal art would probably keep tabs on the activities of the local masked thieves taking everyone's cool, rare stuff. Yeah, I would think. And also, uh, this is way more nitpicky, but Umika's dress is white and blue, so at least borrow Toma's mask so it matches. I mean, okay, you want to talk nitpicky? Because, like, one, you are correct. Like, they, like, these looks aren't what they could be. Like, I know this is an illicit event, I know she didn't know it was, like, okay, everyone gotta walk in wearing a mask illicit, or maybe she did. Anyway, but she brought hers. That's true. I, I don't think she ever leaves home without it, though. That's fair, but I mean, like, they don't have a conversation with that guy, they just pull them out. Yeah, so, like, like they, they could have coordinated, they could have had better looks, and as much as, as like, you've mentioned Umika's thing, like, hey, maybe have a matching mask or alternately a matching dress. Yeah, one of my either big, way. Yeah. My big thing is, Noel, what the hell is your jacket? Cause like, look, I appreciate all the all the, the bits of things that were like sewn on there. The, is it is that called applique? 
I, yes. There's, or is it decoupage? No, decoupage is something completely different. Never mind. Sorry, I, I watch Project Runway, but I don't always understand every part of it. Fa but I have learned that fashion is a language, and it's one you can learn. It's, it's fascinating. Anyway, um, not to get too very Project Runway Tim Gunn, but uh, Noel, your jacket is either too much or it is not enough. Because the, the, the black details, they are not enough, especially on an off-white jacket. Because I know it's supposed to be white, but that needs to be a cold crisp white or those black things are just they make it look terrible they make it look cheap however if they had been in silver or or gold or if you don't want to call attention to yourself you know like you do in your undercover outfit that is white and gold and has undercover written on the back yeah like maybe have all those things done in some other like a metallic black or silver trim or go whole hog like you should like your regular phantom thief outfit he should have just worn his regular phantom thief outfit because honestly that thing is hot fire i mean frankly like these people clearly are not keeping track of the mask thieves anyway so he definitely could have and even if you even if they were he's the newest one like they're not gonna know apparently those masks are very good except they aren't but i'm just saying i needed some sequins and or rhinestones because it just, it was not, it was not the right kind of too much. And, like, you either go for a classic white tux, or you go for a bonkers white tux that is, that is embroidered like it's the Three Amigos. Like, you, there is no middle ground. If you go in the middle ground, it will fail. Why? Because you cannot go half measures with fashion. No, you, you it, gotta do it. Yeah, if, if you're gonna do it, you have to commit. It'd be like... It'd be like if you wanted to do, like, okay, I have this big old burly military jacket, but I also want to be, like, military fairy princess, but you didn't have army boots, and you just, like, had a skirt that was, like, sort of frilly. Like, no, that doesn't work. You need, you need to go overboard with it, or no one's going to get what you're going for. Admittingly, that's more costume than fashion, but Still, I mean, like, fine they lines. have a a white suit because Guy wore one in the wedding episode and it may have been the same suit that Nago wore at the end of Kiva. I don't know because I'd have to look at them both, but they're both white suits. Yeah, go classic conservative, but if you're gonna go over the top, you can't stop at the top. You can't stop on the ladder to the top. You have to go over the top. You have to, you can't just wear a red shirt. It has to be blood orange colored and everyone's gonna call you pretentious but here's the thing if you don't know it's called blood orange you aren't doing it right if you want to be over the top fashion that dude needed to be wearing chrome not like i don't know was that like eggshell i'm i'm partially colorblind and even i'm like dude turn it up sorry apparently i i have a lot of fashion feels because like look noel is actually a very fashionable gentleman he has he has a silver tux and top hat. He has like a with like silver the, brocade tux. Yeah, silver brocade tux with like military details on the front. Because he's got all those buttons and stuff like that. Like that is a hell of a look. In like it is so over the top, it becomes classic. Just like the rest of the Lupin Rangers, they're like all their looks 
are bananas, but his is the most bananas because it is metallic silver. And then just seeing him just put on, I'm guessing that's like his smoke, like his just around the house jacket back at the mansion. Like, oh no, this is the one I, I do when I'm doing like the really filthy repairs on Lupin Collection stuff because it just it's not there. Anyway, let's move on because I could I could seriously go on about this all day. I'm so okay. So uh, the eight percent tax fee on the auction kills me. Like this is an illegal auction. This is an underground illegal auction. Even if you weren't a gangler, I wouldn't believe you were paying taxes on this. I, like, and me, I'm over here kind of loving it, because it implies either that he's just making a little bit extra off of people just to rip them off because he's he's a mean jerk, or he's so weird and new to Earth that he does the thing a lot of tax codes ask you to do. And because all the tax codes, they just say, "Hey, straight up, will you declare your illegally gotten gains?" And apparently, it works well enough that occasionally people do, and they, you know, put them in jail. I just, but either way, it's it just makes me think that this dude is just an especially petty, petty criminal. Because that is like he's offloading the tax cost onto the customer, and that's that's just mean, man. Like, I just wish that, like, Umika already called out, like, oh, man, and there's an 8% tax fee? Like, I wish she'd called him out on whether or not he's actually paying those taxes. Like, what do you mean there's an 8% tax fee? This is an illegal auction. That's that's actually very true. Because I, I, like, in my head, the thought of her just demanding to see his business license number so she can run it, you know, she can check it in her phone. I, I, that sounds like the most Umika thing. Especially since she just got done being a student. She's not just going to let this devil chipmunk thing make off with her with her friend's hard-earned. Even if it's not really, like, it's not his hard-earned, it's it's Kogura's hard-earned. But, you know, she's alive Even with then, him. Even then, who knows? She just doesn't like to see money go to waste. And look, uh, respect. Okay, so this is fairly minor, I guess. But I didn't like it. Um, hey, Sono, did you... Were you here for that bit where I'm just like, he needs to glam up that suit yesterday. <laughs> so this, like, this is less petty than b- just borrow Toma's mask so it matches your dress. But inserting two songs into this episode, one scene after the other, felt like a little much. Yeah, you ain't wrong. Like the the song they use in the the normal suit fight against Grist was actually like hot fire. That was a great song. But then following it with just the Lupin version of the opening felt really weak because it's not as good of a song. Um, so you, you you know you kind of you kind of led with the the band there. You kind of put the the main band as your opening act. But also it put a lot of unnecessary emphasis on that robot fight because Grist is not that big of a villain that he warrants the opening theme. Like he's yeah, not no, Lyman. No. And, like, even Lyman didn't get the opening theme. I also just didn't like hearing only the Lupin version of that song. It makes it really obvious that both of those songs are meant to be played, like, over top of each other. Because there's just weird gaps and, like, holding notes for weird lengths that are meant for, like, when you're supposed to be paying attention to the Pot Ranger lyrics. And it's just, it's super weird. And, like, the, the opening theme with both of them has kind of grown on me. 
I've become Same. kind of fond of it. I don't yeah. like it when it's just one of them. Yeah, no. No, it's, like, the main theme in the opening has, has a Pavlov effect now, because it's attached to a good show. And, like, it's com- it was never bad, but it's competent. And, and now it's to a good show, so, like, it makes me happy. But, yeah, it's not, it's not good on its own. And, uh, like you were saying, it does put a lot more import on a Monster of the Week fight that it, just, it has not earned. No, like, this is a, this this is is a just, comedy this is a episode. Yeah. Like, he's, he's not Lyman, he's not Gauche, he's not Destro. Yeah. He's, not, he's certainly no Degranio. Like he doesn't, he hasn't fight earned that. I expect, I expect that opening. And, oh yeah, I yeah. expect that to be both teams and Noel and get the full opening in there. Yeah, but okay. Since that's our our downsides, the stuff we didn't like, let's let's like buckle in, wrap a wrap like a, a okay, not like a blanket fresh from the dryer because it is way too hot for that. Oh god, yeah, it is. Well, let us sip a, a, a metaphorical degrees. glass of ice cold lemonade and oh talk God, about the it's things that are. 83 degrees. Oh, that is too many degrees, so no. Dark out, and degrees. it's 83 degrees. I hate this. This is the worst. Yeah, that is, that is awful, dude. I'm not I'm even. So gonna, I'm not even going to cut this. I need all of listeners. You need to know that I'm suffering. No, that look, un, un, like thankfully over here it has it has started to chill out, but for a lot of like earlier this week and you know most of the heat wave times it has been like 35 celsius which is high 90s low 100s in fahrenheit and it's just been nah i'm i'm so glad it has chilled out to merely the high 70s so that i can think again i mean thankfully i'm i'm right up on the ocean so it doesn't get oh, uh nice. it, we haven't hit 90 but it's that's humid good. Ooh, that's less good. Man, the other... A while, not long ago, it was so humid here, it triggered the fire alarms in my house at 8 in the morning. I was just like, ah, just like... It, it, first it got the ones, like, you know, it was a skinny house, tall. So, first it got the one on the bottom floor, then the one on the top. So just running up and down before I just like, okay, batteries are gone now. Goodbye. Maybe I'll die in a fire, but I, I won't have to put up with this. Anyway, um, let's, as I was saying, uh, let's, let's get some metaphorical, figurative, ice-cold lemonade and just, like, sip these, some good, good bits from these good, cool episodes. Going into 25, uh, I covered a lot of the early episode in that set design rant. Uh, and how- It was, it was a good bit. But, you know, that eventually leads to this exchange between Kyrie and Noel on the plaza stairs that I thought was really sweet. And something in it just feels so very Sentai. Like, you've got Kyrie going halfway up the stairs, affirming that Noel is one of them. And then, you know, in so much as he's at least part of the team, if not yet part of the family. And then you get that kind of upshot, downshot of them, like, exchanging a smile. Like, that's so classic Sentai. Yeah, it's wonderful. But just the knowledge that Noel is willing to put his life on the line and that he has a goal that he's reaching for, like, it gives him some nice grounding as to why he's going to the lengths he is and is stepping in to be a Lupin Ranger and a Pot Ranger instead of just letting these lost kids do his job for him. And it also kind of explains why he's maybe made some of the slip-ups that he has. That we keep, you know, he, the, the 
alpaca guys got some collection pieces they shouldn't have, this and that, and he's like, yeah, that some things happened. Um, I made some mistakes. Like, it, yep. it kind of explains that. It does. And while at the same time highlighting, I mean, I know this is obvious, but that he is a really good dude. Like, he's he is trying to keep everyone from getting hurt as he knows, you know, they're kind of already hurt especially now that he knows what Kyrie's brother looks like, because I'm sure before he had an idea of what must have happened, but hey, guess what? Now you've seen the face of the guy they're trying to get back. Yeah. And he respects that. I, I like the the quiet, like you said, he shows the respect. He doesn't say it. Yeah, and I mean, we, we find out, you know, Noel has someone that he's trying to bring back to, and he's scared, and there's probably been times when he's rushed, or, you know, made a hasty decision that he didn't think through quite as much as he should have, because he's trying to make sure that whoever he's trying to save, maybe Lupin himself, can be saved. Alright, I'm, I'm sorry to cut into that actually very good thing. I have a small sum of money down over here on it being a close friend wink who is a gentleman who is very precious to him a wink i'm saying he's gonna save his boyfriend is what i'm saying fair reasonable i'd believe it look we've we've had some good boyfriend saving precedent in sentai in the past couple years it's true and i mean komura did write those joe and sid episodes yeah, he did. Because on top of being excellent Joe episodes, that is some primo Joe and Marvelous shipping stuff. Like, look, Joe's Joe's got to get over his old boyfriend that he can't get back, and his new boyfriend's gonna help him do it. And and even if even if you're not a shipper, watch the Sid episodes of Go Kaiger, because I, I talk about a strength that Kamura Junko has, and that is creating a character in, you know, just sort of an outline sketch and still making you want to cry about them once you understand the depths of how they have been harmed. Kamura is an incredible character writer. For all that, you know, we gave Zuoja a hard time, but it was her first time leading a show. Like I've like I've said, it's it's a lot easier to play in someone else's sandbox than build your own. But at the end of the day, like she she had them drop you can at least save his soul. And, like, uh, yeah. Like, what a good line. What a great way to say, hey, what's up? You know that that cyborg monstrosity that used to be your friend? You must kill him. But I can't. He he's That's what's left of my friend. No. They have turned your friend into something else. You must at least save what is left of him. Stop him from being made to do any more evil. Like, oh! Oh, like that is that is primo writing. Like that is because they don't have to tell you everything. They don't have to explain the metaphysics. It's just you can at least save his soul. And from that moment, there is no other way that episode can go. And it's it is just, just she's she's really good at that sort of thing. And yeah, she is introducing kind of that same bit of desperation into Noel is such an unexpected bit of nuance that just, it feels so right for this particular character. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I I want to say it was something they needed to do. But if I'm being honest, they didn't 
he was a pretty good character on his own already, and this should, again, from what I was saying earlier, this should be too much. Finding out that he's got, like, a tragic past and he's got someone he wants to get back to, it should be too much. It should be gilding the lily, but it's not. And and honestly, like, looking, you know, we, we mentioned Zemigo earlier, looking at the mystery of Zemigo, looking at the mystery of Noel, it's weird to see how they're both these characters that they want us to be engaged about on this level. And the mystery even is being made by the same person, the same writer, the same directors, etc., etc. But one of them is a mystery I care about, while the other is Zamigo. And Zamigo's just like, Mwahaha, I am so powerful and strange and creepy. And like, look, don't get it twisted. He is all of those things, but also I don't care. Maybe it's different if you're a little kid who hasn't seen other Sentai shows, because I've got to give leeway. If this is your first Sentai and just this guy keeps popping up occasionally, maybe your curiosity is peaked. I don't know, but I I am I am a person well outside that demographic who has seen many other Sentai shows and also like media ever. But I have seen the mystery of the super cool, super powerful guy happen enough times that it is it's just frustrating for me. Like, and it's worse, because I want to like Zamigo. Yeah, it's just Again. he doesn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, unlike, yeah, he's the actual opposite of Noel, because Noel, he says, like, look, I want your trust, and then they say, earn it. And then he just says, all right, and then he earns it. Zamigo is just there saying, I'm so evil. And how do we know? Just because everyone else says, hey, you're that guy who's really scary and strong and super evil. So evil that even me, the current bad guy, thinks, wow, you're super evil. It's it's just, it's night and day. I mean, I'm glad that if, if anyone's going to get the good characterization, it's one of the heroes, because we're going to see a lot more of Noel. But, like, come on, Zamigo's a big part of the show. He's in the opening. Give him, like, a character trait. Have him show up. Yeah, ever. have him, do, preferably, honestly, preferably have him show up with a, I, I keep going back to Megamind, I'm very sorry, but with some presentation. Like, he seems to enjoy making a show of it, because, I'm sorry, if you turn everyone except, like, one person into ice and then shatter them in front of that one remaining person, you like to put on a show. Have him put on another show. Like, he's he's a supervillain. Treat him like one. Yeah, just have anyway, him we're, do anything. A thing. Anyway, we're... We're in good parts. Happy thoughts. Ice cold lemonade. Uh, do continue on on the next bit of happy thinking. Okay, y'all. I totally lost it when Sukasa just stepped up and was like, "Hey, Pot Rangers are gonna go in and support Lupin Red," and just would not hear any arguments to the contrary. Both Keitro and and Saki are like, "Maybe we should not." And she's like, "No, we're gonna do it because the priority is stopping that other guy." who is a dangerous criminal who wants to kill people, and clearly just three people can't do this. And after that last episode and the risk he took to stop Giwi, and again, it's not that he won't stop, it's that he can't stop, she feels that on some level he can be trusted. He's got a reason that he's doing what he's doing. And after you know, the conversation that she had with Umika in the- when she was trapped with Lupin Yellow in the amusement park. Like, she knows there's stuff going on with them, and that they're not just thieves. The, she's- Tsukasa is- 
she's that part of Zenigata that knows Lupin isn't malicious and is willing to work with him when something, you know, much worse is going on. Because all, all they're going to do is steal some stuff that, you know, really was stolen anyway. Um, like, it belongs to a rich person. It's fine. Like, they're not hurting anyone. What they're doing is a crime, and they are the police and have to deal with that. But it's not malicious. It's not the priority when that guy is here. A dude is, a, a, a mass murderer is, like, shooting babies in the head. Maybe stop that guy before you stop the sneak thief. Yeah, and she understands that some, and she and Zenigata, in the cases, in, you know, those cases, sometimes you gotta bend the law to serve justice. And I'm just so here for how she was not taking anything from anyone and how much command yeah. this episode gave her. Yeah, it was so good. Like, on, on a lot of levels, like, first off, it, it is everyone starting to see the nuances in one another, which, yeah, it is beautiful. And also, like, okay, I'm not trying to take anything away from Tsukasa by, by bringing up Keichiro, but I really hope that she just put an end to that aggro Zenigata side of Keichiro, because, like, he, I love how this in the suit, the suit actor for Keichiro is very good. Wait, no, it was any of the suit actor. Like, it was both the suit and the face, like, he is being a pouty baby. He is just a big pouty baby that he doesn't get to go and catch Lupin. Which, like, it feels a little weird, I'm not gonna lie, because does feel like he should have moved beyond all that by this point. But, because, I mean, he has learned multiple times that his job is to serve the public first and catch Lupin last. Yeah, like, it's, it's weird because he's regressed, because that wasn't even a thing he had to learn. That was a thing he knew. Yeah, it's true. It's true. He just, he hates crime so much. And it's extra funny because uh, I have, I did realize that uh, his team is actually the only one that has three Lupin jacket colors represented. Because 80s Lupin was a pink jacket. That's true. 60s Lupin was a green jacket. And the, the Ur Lupin is, of course, the latter Lupin with the red. I Sorry, I just, I realized that the other day. I was like, oh, that's so messed up. But also let's let's the the Lupins have the primary colors which look best against black. Um anyway, moving on, just I, I do also want to give them props for doing the call out in a way that still lets everyone remain like cool, even as they have their, their weird character quirks. Cause it's hard to do a call out without one person involved looking like a dumb jerk, because it look, I've seen a lot of things where they take a competent lady, and they they tr they act like she's being unreasonable when she calls the dude out for being a big old bag of nonsense. But I'm they don't do that. Point here. a flashing neon sign at the Excel Returns movie. Oh wow! Every I'm, time I hear you mention it, I'm so glad I haven't seen it. I'm angry about that movie forever, mostly That's because fair. a lot of because years before I actually sat down and watched it. So many people were like, "Oh, it's so good." I'm like, sorry pe that they people were lies who I who I know and trusted their opinions were like, "Yeah, it's re it's so good." I have broken this bread with this person. And then I watched it, and I'm like, "You all lied to me. You all have been <laughs> lying to me for years." But I just, I'm glad they. I I I'm not saying I expected them to do it, but you see it enough times where a lady calls out a dude, and and suddenly she's like, just this horrible monster. 
and they didn't do that, and that's it, it does kind of point to how low my expectations are, but also even my low expectations have frequently not been met, so you know, credit, credit, even if it's not exactly due. Also, um, I just I just want to throw this out. Twenty five had the dramatic orchestral version of the 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 of the main theme song, and I think it was going under this scene, unless I misremember. But the dramatic orchestral version of the Lupot theme song is next level. It is it is god tier Sentai music. Like I don't even have much to say. It's just like I the main theme itself may kind of just be you know it's good. Again, it's it's competent. I see what they're going for, but the orchestral theme, next level. Uh, I love, I love orchestral arrangements of Sentai and Rider openings. Yeah, I mean, the the number one for me with the bullet is still the the sad orchestral version of Switch On. Well, that is iconic. Yeah, and that played, they played it frequently, but especially under the under Kengo's letter. Yeah, no, and it's like, just like that's you feel it. Yeah. Anytime no, I, I listen to that song, I am brought back to that scene. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, I like, I had to catch my breath for a sec, just even mentioning it, like <gasps> that moment. But the the orchestral version of Lupot. I will also... give I will give Gaim one thing: the orchestral version of Just Live More is better than that entire show. I mean, that's true. That which is I mean, true. not a high bar, but it's it's actually really incredible. I'm gonna have to it's, like listen it's to it on really its own good. sometime. Because like I only sort of remember it, but now I'm I'm curious to try. Uh, Man, like, okay. God, more shows so more shows need dramatic orchestral versions of the theme. Like I want to go back in time and like put them in all the horrible cartoons from the '80s that I loved. Like there were some dramatic moments in Transformers, and I I want to like actually they did kind of have a version that was at least related to it. So never mind, I was wrong. They did it because. Uh, of all the garbage shows I watched when I was a child, Transformers is actually held up. Like, it's not good, but it's less garbage than a lot of them. How about that she remake? That's looking good. That is looking good. Anyway, I'm going to shut up before I get us on, off on a, on a thing. Okay, so the, the moment of the Reds fighting over Good Striker to the point where, like, the girls are just grabbing them and like, Hey, nope, nope, we're, we're not doing this today. And Goody just being like, wow, everyone loves me so much that we're just all gonna be in the robot. And then everyone stops and is like, wait, you can do that? What? <laughs> and then the fact that the robot is called Good Cool Kaiser yes! is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, you know that, like, Goody came up with that name. Oh, he absolutely did. He's All like, the other ones, it's like Lupin came up with it. Goody just over here like, one day, I'm gonna get all these pieces together and we're gonna be the good, cool Kaiser. Yeah! And Lupin's just like, oh, Goody, I can't take that away from you. <laughs> I gotta give you that one. Like, it's, Look, I'm a thief. I don't give anyone anything. I gotta give you that. It's not a great-looking robot, but yeah, that's no. what it's called, and I'll love it forever. And also the fact that it gives Goody a little crown, because he is the best. He is the goodest striker. Yes. And he deserves are, are a the... little crown. He does. He does. Especially he since he does the goodest, coolest Kaiser. Exactly. He's the goodest, coolest boy in the goodest, coolest Kaiser. Because he doesn't need to be... Like, I was. I thought they, they were just going to start calling him best striker. It's like, no, actually... He's good. He's good. Cool striker. Perfect. And like, look, I confess, I like the I like the robot, which is a mess. 
but I like it more than I feel like I probably should, if only because I like it when the robots move away from being strictly humanoid, and the the back-mounted spires that hold the 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 Lupin Ranger's arms, somehow it works. Even though it's not the best look, because it isn't, but it I like it quite a lot. Also, I hope that if if I went out onto toy forums, I would find out that someone has made like a fan created spider mode for Good Cool Kaiser, because then he can be Good Cool Spider, and spiders are awesome. Uh, it, it, admittedly, that could just be me remembering GoGo Five, where one of their robots had a not great but not terrible uh, lunar crawler mode, and it was neat. I just I like when you can make a robot that is made up of smaller robots that can still turn into a thing. Not enough of them do that. It's a Maji Dragon. Yeah, Maji Dragon is the king of that. I mean, it's the top half of it isn't bad, but also, like, Sukasa's just a stick hanging off the side of the leg. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's not great. It's no. Not, it's not the worst robot, but it's... I mean, the worst one is is Shinkenjir's ultimate form. It's either that. It. It's either that or G twelve. They're they're kind of on equal footing and got I, to I be in, and got to be in a movie together. I have not seen G twelve. I'm looking it up now. Oh, G twelve is. Wow, that G twelve is a masterpiece. Yeah, and and that is still it is. You can tell it's related to the Shinkenjir ultimate one. Because it's just, we have the core robot, and we just slapping stuff on the outside of it, and it just keeps bulking up. I mean, this one, though, still does look like it could move its limbs. Where oh, yeah, even, no. It's... Even the suit of the Shinkenger one, it's like, no, we're not even going to pretend. It's just going to roll forward on a platform. Yeah, no, it's... The the Shinkenger one was definitely the extension of... I The Goanger toys had to have sold really well. And they're just like, let's do that again. We'll do it again, only more. And then the next year, they're like, "Let's not do that again." Yeah, let's never, let's never do that again. What came after Shinkenger? Was that Go Geki Ranger? No, Gosager. Uh, Gosager. Okay. Geki Ranger was it was Geki Ranger, Goanger, Shinkenger, Gosager, Gokaiger. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't remember. I think I seem to remember Gosager being a lot more chill in that respect. Yeah, it's definitely. It was not a. Let's just. Uh, keep adding things and slapping them on there. Yeah. But uh, the best part of Good Cool Kaiser is the fact that it's got three cockpits because Goody <laughs> needs to be able to send people to time out and getting to be in the main cockpit is a reward for getting along and being nice to each other. <laughs> so if, if Keichiro's gonna be a butt, he, he gets sent to the timeout cockpit and Tsukasa gets to be in the leader seat because she's willing to be a team player. Okay, one, I'm not gonna lie... When Keichiro got dropped into the timeout cockpit, I, I kind of just, like, I lost my mind laughing for a sec. It was really good. And second, like, this is the one time I'm going to allow this sort of thing, because in, in like, dungeon, here's the Dungeons & Dragons content, DMs who do this kind of thing, I get so mad, because like, no, stop. Talk to the players when you're mad at them. Don't, like, make their characters fall into death traps. That's that's bad form. But you know what? Goody is also kind of coded as a child, so you know what? He's allowed. Yeah. Also, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's not a death trap. He sent him to... He just sent him to another room. He's like, no, you're going into timeout. Yep. You're going you into timeout corner. You have I, to... I get... You just get to pilot the legs with with Sakuya. 
And Tsukasa yep. gets to do the cool attack. And, I mean, it is a pretty cool attack. And I also I also like this setup uh, for a more practical reason. Um, because it provides a means to have the characters that the episode is about to be at the forefront of the robot fight. Which is a thing I've missed for a while. Mm. Um, I know Ninja did it, though I'm not sure how consistently, because I only watched, like, eight episodes. That's Go on, you did it in one episode, because uh, the engine souls were all put in the wrong engine casts, and they're like, just go to the one that the soul was in, and that put uh, Go on Green. He he actually makes a comedy. He's like, wow, it's really cool being in the leader spot for once. I get to be in the middle. Um, but it was something that they did in Maji Ranger, uh, and I know a few others have done it, but Maji Ranger is the one that's sticking out to me. And I think it's neat that they've provided a vehicle to do that here, because it's definitely, it definitely hasn't been common in the past couple of years. Um, it was definitely in the early to mid-2000s, the last time it was done, I think. Uh, did Shinkenger do it? Yes, yeah, a few times at least. Like, not all the okay. time. Yeah, but, but like, if, if it was, like, very much someone's episode. Yeah, if it was very much someone's episode, or, like, if, if... Like, hey, what's up? I'm gonna be over in my robot over here. I need you to do this. Which, like, look, it's it's a good thing, and it's so underutilized. Like, look, you've got this robot. You've got a good, cool boy with a good, cool crown to help run it and manage all the personality difficulties. Why not use it to highlight the different personalities who are at the forefront of any given episode? Like, you have a literal fake machine that can do that instead of, like, having the red or the extra character at the literal forefront of things all the time. Like, just, like, hey guys, um, I want to talk to these two right now. Now they run things in this big epic event. They're the ones that are making me feel the best. Yep. So they get to be up here with me. Yep. It's, it's, it's all just fake nonsense anyway. Roll with it. Give some people literal time at literal center stage in this literally fake giant machine it's so good uh and on a related thing i also appreciate that on on both a practical you know we have to sell the toy and also the lore level where noel's at the center back of the thing he designed it and he's goody's best friend so of course he gets some pride of place i mean again there is still he's the new guy we need to sell him but it works and it's also a really nice thematic spot because he's mm. between whoever from each team is up there. He's the bridge that links both teams, and he gets to be between them because he's part of both, and he's what's bringing them together. It's true. He does remain law-fluid on the cop-criminal spectrum, which, like, I, I still like. I, wish, I do wish, though, that when he would make the change in the train that we would still see the little diagram of him going from one side to the other. I do miss that. But I, I also appreciate that they've set it up so that any time we see Goody in a crown, or, I mean, also the big, cool, combined robot form, I guess, but, you know, whatever, mostly it's about Goody and his good, cool crown, it's because a big inter-sentai emotional beat is happening, which means that the enemy is really impressive. So they've actually found a reason to have the bigger, more improved mech, but not to overuse it. Because the question is always, well, why don't you just go for the bigger, most powerful form? It's a monster. It's hurting people. Stop it quick. And and why? Well, it's only because 
it's only if they're getting along and if it's a problem that they need both teams to solve. That's so elegant. That is such a good solution. Just good job. Also, uh, just sort of related, uh, how good is Lupat doing sales-wise? Because Toei is selling, is, rather, is shelling out so much extra money for a mid-season CG budget that makes the robot look a lot more fluid than it's ever going to be outside of the recycled CG intros. Because the Lyman fight in the robot was astonishing. For like, especially for a non-movie section of a normal Sentai series. Yeah, I mean, I've got to imagine it's doing real well because that looked so good. Like, it was obviously still CG, but like, it was the good CG. It wasn't like that X Aid poop gun stuff. They used <laughs> the good stuff for this. Yeah, they really did. And okay, speaking of of Lyman and neat things, I just. I just remembered this. I need to throw it out. The way they fight Lyman. I don't know if any of you have played the PS4 game Bloodborne, uh, which is a wonderful game that I have never hated more than... Like, I hate so much, and I love it so much. It's a very popular game. Anyway, but they fight Lyman like you fight a monster, like the boss monster in that game, which is get in close, carve up move away, break off limbs, then he transforms and gets more limbs, and you need to fight those. It's, it was a very hectic thing, and I'm just, I just appreciate that the boss monster is a horrific bloodborne monstrosity with a lot less body horror, because this is Super Sentai, and frankly, I don't... Eight-year-olds. Yeah, I don't think eight-year-olds need the body horror. They can wait two years and then, like, watch old Kamen Rider. Like, they can watch Kamen Rider Amazon, not Amazon's, I'm not. I'm not a sicko because honestly, I think Amazons would probably bore the heck out of a ten-year-old. It's a lot probably. like ah, uh, politics, morals, ethics. Like nah, just hey, what's up? Uh, but Amazon, common writer Amazon. Whew, that's some. That is some. I mean, that's probably not actually appropriate for a ten-year-old by by how we would measure it. But if they it, put it out there. It's very. It's not. It's not gore so much. Like, that's ve- it's very obviously, like, paint. Uh, it, that's true. At the same time... Like, for an 8 boy, to 10-year-old, he... like, I think an 8 to 10-year-old would be fine. I think that's old enough where... Man, I just, I just keep thinking back to how I reacted when he tore off the tarantula monsters, uh, just the, like, the big spider legs on his back, he just tore them off. I'm like, oh gosh, no! Ooh! Like, I just, I wince. It was like, ooh, no. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's rough, but it's not gory. That's true, and it's not really body horror, even though it kind of, but it's kind of body horror I think you'd probably just, like, watch as your kid's like, yeah, he's got those, got them spider legs, tear them off, that's awesome. But anyway, I just had to throw out that uh, Lyman is a bloodborne monster, and having him, like, have the regeneration stuff, I'm like, I'm over here just biting my, biting my fist so that I don't start being like, throw the throw the numbing gas onto him. Because they can't hear me because it's a TV show. Anyway, uh, I I just had to make that point. Thank you for indulging me. Because I also love at the end of the robot fight where, you know, Noel and, and Kairi do the, the adieu and Tsukasa tries to do like the pot ranger call and then realizes that she's not saying the same thing at the end and is embarrassed because she's like, I can't, can't 
say your thing. Like, even when she's tough as nails, she's also adorable, and I love that about her. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. But also, like, look, who can blame her? She's only ever had one later sucker, you know, post-kill-the-monster call this whole time, and she's done with all her friends, and suddenly she's supposed to be doing a new one that no one told her about? Like, that that sucks. Also, you know Keiichiro is, like, once she's once they're out of it, he's just, like, yelling at her, No, you don't use their call. That's a criminal call. Don't you use it. And if you do it, I will report you. I mean, look, we know he wouldn't report her because uh, he fears her as he should. I mean, it's in fairness, it is respect as much as it is fear, but it is also fear. Because Tsukasa has zero time for people being petty nonsense people. I love Tsukasa so much. I'm so, like, I'm so glad that we had the episode about the pink and a red. And it's their focus episode together. And they're friends. And they're fighting the monster. And they start to realize things about who they are as people. And nowhere in there is it love. It's not, oh, that, that Lupin Red, he's strangely dashing. Or, hey, you know, that, uh, that, uh, Patron, uh, was it Pat's, Song- uh, Sango. Sango. Thank you. I can never remember. Yeah. Man, Pat Sango is really hot. Or, I like the way she barks commands at people. It's just, hey, what's up? I really respect the work you're doing. Thank you. I don't respect the work you do, because it's criminal. But I respect the spirit in which you do it. Like, it's... How often do you see just a dude and a lady in anything who bond over mutual respect? It's nice. Yeah, it is really nice, and it is far too rare. Hey, man, I start to understand that maybe there's a good reason to do a crime. I'm still going to stop you, but I respect your... Like, I just... I like that. Just, and that, like, again, you, you said it already, I'm just going to bring it back. Just the bit where she's like, no, the Pat Rangers will move in to assist. But, no, the Pat Rangers will move in to assist the Lupins. But, no buts, we go. The just, priority is Lyman. Yep. Just, We're doing it. Just, seriously, the look on her face, dude. Like, no, what's up? She's gonna, like, she could stop an elephant with that expression. Just stop. Charging Rhino, just, it just divert. Anyway, uh, let's let's move on to the next episode, unless you have any final thoughts on 25? Uh, no. Uh, no. Going, going into 26, the more I see Noelle and Kogure interact or talk about each other, the more I desperately want net movies about the Lupin estate. Same. Because, like, look, Mr. Toei, if you're somehow listening to this, when's it gonna come out? You know what would be a good time for it to come out? Yesterday. Yesterday is the ideal time for it to come out. Because, look, I just, I want it, and I just want to put it straight in my brain. Because, Sono, you are correct. It would be magical! Just the way that Noelle taunts Kogure about, you know, working with the police and how it has its advantages, and Kogure just rolls his eyes so hard he looks like he's gonna fall out of his chair, and just hands him the checkbook because he's so tired of this kid. And Noelle knows that Kogure is so tired of him, and he just takes so much joy in it, and in forcing Kogure to spend money on his wacky plans. Yeah, it's so good. Also, um... Everybody prepare to take a drink, because this is going to get, uh, this is the bit where Aleph reveals his political affiliation. Hooray! Because, uh, like, look, I just like knowing that Lupin pays his staff well enough 
that this dude can just be blasé about dropping, I don't know, multiple hundreds of millions of dollars. Because, like, look, that means Lupin, being an honorable thief, still a thief, but an honorable one, pays his people well, which puts him up on many of the other terribly rich thieves out there, like, statistically speaking, whoever is employing you, dear listener. Because I... This, this number just came out. Wage theft has been revealed to be the largest kind of theft in the U.S. Wage theft, of course, being when you are asked to do work for your employer without remunerate, without getting paid. And a lot of places do this. A lot of them. So much that it takes more money from people than every other kind of theft put together, uh, excepting perhaps people not paying their taxes, which is not actually considered theft, but instead uh, just a whole other kind of crime. But given the things that taxes are meant to pay for, such as infrastructure, roads, healthcare, uh, and other things that, you know, people need. Also things that maybe we don't, but that is a whole other matter. Uh, it, it's still theft. And uh, so what I'm saying is, for a thief, Lupin acts less like a thief than Jeff Bezos. So um, I hope you all finish that drink. Thank you for your indulgence. But uh, speaking of dropping millions of dollars, um, Umeka just being unable to deal with how much money people are throwing around like it's nothing at this auction is the biggest mood. Yeah, yeah. Even a fraction of that first bid, like, would solve basically all of my problems in life. Give me a quarter of that. Like, look, Umeka... Umika was a student up until just a little bit ago, until, like, what, two, three months before the show started? Less than that, even? And even if she's not, like, a starving college student, keeping track of money is still a thing, and it's difficult as anything to make a budget work, especially since she's now a third of a small business, and even if it's a front for Kogure and the search for the Lupin collection, like, you know she's not got that kind of money. And if she did, she's certainly not tossing around like that. Because she's responsible with her money, yeah, like, no, like, like you should be. Like you again, have to even, be. even if we step back to the episode with the the music girl that uh, had the crush on Katra, when Umika goes to her house, she's like, "Wow, you're rich. Wow, look at all this." Like, I feel like Umika comes from like some pretty middle class background. Probably lived in an apartment. Even the way that she lectures. Noelle and Kogure at the end of the episode. Like, she's lived in situations where she's like, no, you gotta balance your money. You gotta save money. What are you doing? Yeah, but they're... And, and it just... It is that thing she clearly comes to notice. Like, rich people just don't think like the rest of us, man. Because, like, they're, they're willing to spend how much on this statue? No. No. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Umika. Okay, so as much as Sakuya is still Sakuya... Um, his reaction to the bubbles was also big mood. Like, I feel like I probably would have reacted the same way if I'd been in his situation. Like, just totally forgetting what I'm doing, and it's like, not gonna play with bubbles. I think mostly it's just nice to feel anything positive about Sakuya for once. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, nice where it's this cute moment where he's not being weird. Yeah, and look... I have to say, I appreciate that they are clearly working hard in his rehabilitation, and honestly, I'm here for it. They they can't wipe away the grossness that was there, but 
between those little moments there with him in the bubbles and the the teaser for 27, I don't know if you watched it, I'm not going to spoil it, but I, I do feel like there's a chance he might make it to grudging lack of hatred, which is a step up from where he's at, which is like frustrated toleration. So, you know, baby steps. I mean, I did watch the preview for 27. Uh-huh. And, lord. Um, but I mean, like, look. They got me to come around on Lucky. So I feel That's... like nothing is impossible. That's very true. Because, man. you know, 27 looks like a good effort to get me there. It does. It does. Hey, hey, remember? So you're my son, Yosha Lucky. Oh! Oh! They, they made me care. Nothing is impossible. I it mean, so I don't good. know if it just took President Hot Wings to get me to like Lucky, but... I mean, he didn't hurt, He didn't hurt because it's just like, oh no, I don't have time to hate you, Lucky. <laughs> this got, guy's on screen. He's got much bigger problems. Uh, speaking of, I know we, we've mentioned this quite a few times about Noelle, but after, you know, Tsurugi, it's really refreshing that Noelle doesn't automatically have the answers to everything and that he's not already at the end of the mystery waiting for the rest of the cast to catch up because he didn't know who the gangler was and he flat out admits it he's like no i didn't know i just figured i knew he was definitely one of these five guys and i had to go through with this plan because i didn't know which one he was if i knew i wouldn't have wasted all of our time with this plan to figure it out because he just he wasn't 100% sure, but he had to be 100% sure that the gangler would be in this trap. So he had to have all of them there. He's not wasting time, he's not showing off, he's not, like, showing the team that he's that he's so much smarter than them. He's not giving them busy work, he's just working with Umika to find the right guy so they can get the collection piece back. Okay, Sono, one, you are correct. But two, I am going to contradict you just a little, barely, because, uh, I mean, he is showing off a little. Maybe not, like, with his trap plan, but the, the dude does dress in silver brocade tuxedo. He's showing off a little. A little bit, but not in, like... Not in this way. He's I, showing I just... off with everyone, not, yes. like, to everyone. That's true. And, speaking of things he was showing off, we did get to see some more of his amazing art. Like, maybe some of that was... was Umika helping, but it was it was also it was not great art. But at the same time, and it, it is sort of in, of a kind with the Giwi drawing, because even if they're not great likenesses, they're understandable likenesses. You can see the relation to the faces he or they are drawing. I'm not 100 percent sure who had what part of the of the arting, but it was look it was just still cute, and it let Umika legit help solve the mystery, which is the most important thing. Also, I kind of love Keichiro seeming to be vaguely annoyed at Noel sort of jerking folks around with his hunches and the bright, loud version of Undercover that he does when he's like, hey, could you look up these guys? What are you doing? This isn't this isn't our business. Ah, uh, it's cool. I got orders from the head office in France. I do it's cool kind of appreciate, it. like, speaking of that, that we see the actual mm. police dealing with Kate the non-gangler so half of the crime in this episode. It makes the world feel a little more real and puts into perspective that the global police are part of something much bigger and harder to deal with than the normal police. 
Yeah, it like I I love that, especially since it there's not even a discussion of jurisdiction. They just show it. Again, this show is actually quite good at just showing the effects and not like telling you that they're there and and then showing. They just they just do. I like it. Cuz the global police do feel like this whole other level of thing and I like that we're showing that that's the case. I I do hope that if they make the Space Squad movies into an annual tradition with the Sentai, I, I do hope we get to have a talk about how the global police might interact with uh, other police-based Sentai or other special teams on Earth-based Sentai, like like Decca Ranger or you know whoever, but Decca Ranger, because I might not be the biggest fan of the idea of a, a permanent, actual, canonical integrated sentai or writer verse but if you put it in movies or have it be there for a weird joke i'm actually a massive sucker for it i mean i'd be down for it i imagine that the global police handle like interdimensional stuff or just weird earth monster crimes while decker ranger is like interplanetary alien incidents oh okay so it's like it's men in black and the it's like men in black and the ghostbusters yeah, yeah, they both handle similar things, but they are not the same. But really, what I would want out of this is I want to see Doggy and Hilltop exchange some fond, old friend greetings, and have Swan asking Hilltop how his wife is doing, and like, oh, we should all go for yes. coffee and breakfast together again soon. Like, we need to catch up, because that's the sort of thing that I only ever really want from a unified Sentai or Riderverse. That's the thing that I care about. Same. Because, like, once we're like, ah, oh, yes, but all these monsters exist in the same thing, it's like, no, they don't. Like, no. in in the early aughts, um, from from Abba Ranger to Go Onger, in the Sentai, all of the Sentai versus movies were technically connected. All of those Sentai are technically connected to each other through the through line of someone from every show eats at Dino Curry. And they all just oh. know each other from hanging out at Dino Curry. That's pretty good. Uh, the the Decker Ranger Maji Ranger movie uh, involves Maji Mother giving something to Doggy and Swan. And Swan's like, oh yeah, no, we were just friends with her. We would meet at Dino Curry and we'd, we'd knew this great curry place and we hung out there together and then there was no maji ranger and bokenger that was uh bokenger versus super sentai but then that's a shame i know it's a tragedy <laughs> but bokenger versus geki ranger makino and miki both ate at dino curry and then geki ranger to go onger haunt delivered for dino curry so or like he was a waiter there and he knows miki because of that and like that's what i want that's hysterical they don't know anything about each other's sentaiing they don't well i mean like in in maji ranger they do because she maji mother goes to deca base but like they're not involved in each other's sentaiing there's no excuses for like why one wasn't there while the other was doing stuff it's just like nah we all eat at the same restaurant we're friends. I, I, I like that. I love that. That's good. I am here for that. Like, that's the only way I ever want that handled. I, well, because all I... Yeah, that's the only reason I want... I would want an, a Sentai Rider-verse. Like, that's why when I do fanfiction, it's in an integrated one, because I just... I want them to hang out and be friends. And maybe they team up to fight a thing, but it's a whole new thing. 
Like, basically, I just, I just want... I want what it looks like they're trying to do with Space Squad, but also for it to be directed by Koichi Sakamoto while he's not actually being so very Sakamoto-y. Without, like, the way he is when he films women. Yeah, when he's not being horny on main. Like, if he would just chill out with that, honestly, I think he would be one of the all-time greats. But I really do hate how often I have to be like, oh, right, this bit. Mm, Why is the camera doing this? Girls in Trouble is a bad movie. I'm glad I didn't see it. It's it's a very... It's a very Sakamoto movie. Ooh, that's like, a shame. On, on a writing level, it's not a terrible movie, but it's a very Sakamoto movie, and the first, like, ten minutes are super uncomfortable. Mmm, don't like. Don't, don't like that. Because, I mean, boy, the dude can be mad uncomfortable just in, like, the Space Squad movie. Yeah, uh, just, Girls in Trouble uncom- sets up for the Space Squad movie. Yeah, I just... I just know how uncomfortable that thing got, and, like, that's the one that had to go to theaters. That uncomfortable bit in the Space Squad movie? The one that went on for a million years? That's, like, that whole, that's the whole movie for Girls in Trouble. Oh, no. Do the, not want. The first ten minutes are especially bad. I would prefer not to. But I think that's that's most of it. Uh, do we have any other thoughts on the good stuff these episodes, besides how we have a good cool boy? Who we, is the goodest have, and coolest? We do have the goodest, coolest boy. Yeah. I don't know if there are any boys who are gooder or cooler. Actually, no. I do know whether or not there are. There are none. So, I guess with that taken care of, uh, let's let's get to our Lupin collection. And Sona, why don't you let us know what all we've got this time around? Okay, uh, in episode 25, Lyman's collection piece... Uh, seems to be one half of the twin brace from Live Man, which is their uh-huh. their transformation device. Cool. And and besides being the Live Man change device, I saw in the in the book and looking it up on actually I think I was just looking it up online that uh, the that the Lupin collection piece is called Doctor Doctor. There are a small number of songs it could be referencing, all very different songs by very different artists. But since I'm actually a big fan of 80s New Wave slash synth music, uh, I'm just going to give particular love to the Thompson Twins version. Though uh, the the first one, the earliest one I found, my, at, least, at least I think it's the earliest. I didn't actually look at the dates, but it looked a lot earliest there. Uh, might well be the UFO song of the same name. Just throwing that out. 26, 26 threw me for a second. Because my immediate reaction was either Maji Mermaid or the specific saint in Maji Ranger mm. that Urara gets her magic from that I don't remember the name of. Because they're all something. Something they are, you know, uh. Yeah. Blajel, Sunjel, Lunagel, uh, Magiel. Uh, I don't remember specifically what the mermaid's name was, though, because we only see them. I think we only see them in the movie. Yeah, and even then, it's very brief. But uh, Though, we man, do... Also in the movie, you do get to see... Uh, oh, darn, what's the name of the lady who played Witch Bandora? Oh god, what is her name? I forget her name, too. But she was, like, the goddess of magic. Yeah, she's, and it made me so she's Magiel. Yes. She's, she's the magic saint. And I've been I've been listening to a, a podcast that is, is all about uh, two, two 
non-believers reading the Bible and trying not to be jerks about it. It's called uh, Apocrypha Bros, but uh, no, Apocrypha Pals. My bad. Um, but this, I'm getting to the point. Uh, the the suffix l on a name in in like biblical and Hebrew would mean like God. Like that was that was one of the names you can safely call God without like doing some blasphemy. So Magiel is like she is the magic. Either she is either a magic god, or she is the goddess, or she is like the magic of God, the pure power of creation. And I just, I like that. The, the movie does seem to imply that she's just God, but also that you can yeah. like inherit that title because uh, Hikaru was supposed to like be her successor, and might still I, be. I just like the idea that somehow after after being betrayed by Satan... Who saw that one coming? Uh, which Bandora just like turned her life around and just turned got so holy that God slash kind of maybe not God. That's it. Look, I'm not trying to be blasphemous. I'm just you know going by the show. She just ascended and just turned into such a good magic doer and good in both uh, quality and like moral value that they just they which Bandora redeemed herself, which. I think is actually kind of a beautiful thought because that she could be so you know haha yes cry harder baby and then like turn herself around and do enough good in the universe that oh wait no you know what you're all right now you've I, actually managed I to balance the scales. I do believe that in Mystic Force, like that was st- actually still Rita. Really? Like the Aww. the use of of Magiel in Mystic Force, like that I. I believe. I feel like that's what I've been told. I'm never going to watch Mystic Force, so I'm going to choose to believe that that is what happened. Um, and that, like, she does redeem herself and become this really good force. But, Look, uh, I, again, like, and... I got nothing for Power Rangers, but that is that they did that, hats off. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on a hat, and now I'm taking it off. And, again, like, Magiel is essentially God, because they do wear... She's... Where she's they're from tall. is heaven. Yeah, she's from heaven. She's a mile tall. She's sitting in a throne. She's glowing white. I mean, everyone defers to like she's in charge of heaven. Yeah. So she's essentially God, but that's a thing that you can inherit or be appointed as. Look, I'm uh, just saying because again, Kikaru if... was was supposed to be or still ended up being her successor. I'm just saying, if when you die, you like you go up into a place in the clouds, and Machiko Soga is there to welcome you, I think you've done right. I'd be cool with that. Yeah, like I'm not a believer, but uh, I could believe in Machiko Soga. But uh, I, I had thought that this collection piece was a reference to Maji Mermaid or the the saint that was that Aurora got her magic from. But I was incorrect. I was not right on that. It is not a Maji Ranger reference. It is in fact. Um, it goes back further, and is Change Mermaid. Wait, from Change Man? Sweet. Alright, called it. I have absorbed so few things from Sentai. Like, last last time I missed the, the, the Budo Breaker from Tokyuger, which is a show I actually love. But I just, I remember the, the mermaid, like, the, the way they pose the mermaid picture during, uh, was it Hero Getter? At the end of Gokaiger? Yes. Superior yeah. Getter. Superhero getter, thank you, because they they like have the little, the quick flashes of the the like the change man like avatars or whatever they are, 
yeah, I was like, wait, I think that's Change Man. Cool. All right, sorry. Um, but also, uh, on top of having a little crow about having called that one, because again, I I do it so rarely. I, I mean, look, so I rarely. I do it every time. I get it. Yeah, but uh, this one, of course, as we saw in the episode, was called Tiny Bubbles, which was named after a a actually decently well received song from 1966, originally sung by Don Ho. So. And I'm going to have a, a link to that in the As Mentioned, so you can listen to that song, as well as Thompson Twins' Doctor Doctor, and maybe, I guess, if I get around to it, the UFO version, but uh, I, I much prefer the Thompson Twins. Sorry, like, they're not a favorite band, but I enjoyed the song more when I listened to it. Uh, so then, do we have any predictions for the future? It's not so much a prediction as a question, and can they do it? Can they give me a Sakuya episode that I don't hate? Like that, and that is that is a big question. And I confess, I'm kind of like it looked in the preview like a like a comedic episode. So I'm kind of hoping they keep Yamatoya Akatsuki for another episode because I think if anyone could do it, it would be the fella who would make an episode of Shinkenger about a frustrating white, if you'll forgive the expression, Japanophile, uh, who who just steps into the show out of nowhere, tries and fails to do some white savior BS before just walking off into the distance after doing just a terrible cosplay version of their suits and just declaring himself to have, you know, the Shinken and a color because that is, like, a massive, like, calling for the rest of your life. And he's just like, nope, Shinken Brown. And somehow... Like, he's actually really charming, and it's a sweet episode about, like, cultural misunderstandings and how a lot of these doofy Americans don't get it but mean well, especially, like, the fat white guys with goatees who look basically like I would look if I just cut my hair, or rather, well, shaved it off. I mean, like, look, he made an episode that was basically calling me out and, and like, made me love it. So I feel like if anyone could make me love a dude that I hate, in, in this case me, uh, for like a second, it's gonna be the guy who gave us Shinken Brown. It's fair. I really do hope that he's gonna be the one on that episode. I hope so. Like, I, if not, like, look, maybe Kamura Junko can get us there. Maybe even, oh, that other person who's new and whose name I don't want to remember because I would be slagging them off a lot more than I should. I'll be just, I, I've been kind it of- It is rare for them to do, like, one episode with a guest writer and then do a different episode with a different guest writer. Yeah. It seems more like if they're gonna do two episodes that aren't the main writer in a row, it's gonna be the same writer, and then they'll go back to the main writer for a couple episodes and then have someone else do some. Yeah. I mean, which, look, I, I'd be okay with that. That but, that seems more the pattern, so I am hoping that it's Yamatoya again. Yeah, same. Uh, so then, do we have any other last-minute stuff? No, I think that's it. All right then. Uh, so I guess I'll take us out. <clears throat> and so for the for Laser Knees and the rest of the Toe Network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sano. And don't get kicked by a horse and die.